We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're here. I wish I could keep this feeling. I wish I could keep this feeling. What up, everybody? Welcome to another week of the Corner Podcast. So much has already happened off air that we got to bring it on air because me and the old man Andreas Hale have been having the talk of talks. And again, for some reason, he's think he's crushing my argument, which is not a win-loss situation. But this man has to win everything, so we're going to let you guys be the deciding factor. And we're going to talk Kawhi to either the Lakers or the Raptors or wherever he may end up. But I have a reason why I want him to go somewhere, and Andres thinks it's a punk move. So we'll, we'll get to that in one second. Later on in the show, though, we're talking combat sports, obviously, and we're going to be talking MMA. UFC 239 is this weekend. Boxing with the incredible performance by Andrade last weekend, and or excuse me, Andrade. And then what do we have? Raw and SmackDown. Paul Heyman taking over Raw. SmackDown. Looks like it's the same old, same all so far, but we're going to recap both of those and Fighter Fest and the now infamous chair shot heard around the world. All right, Dre, let's jump into this. Now that I recapped the whole, listen, people know what's coming up, but right now, right now, everyone's waiting on Kawhi Leonard. People were following around like he was OJ in the white Bronco, choppers on top of him. He takes his meeting with Toronto, reports are saying he's going to stay in Toronto Whatever. I was hoping he goes to LA and forms a super team. Because super teams are fun. Super teams are not fun. What what is fun about one team dominating the league? One team having such an unfair advantage. What's so fun about that? Because eventually they are going to be upset. Eventually. 
Year one, maybe not. Year two, maybe not. Year three, probably so. Like, you can only win so many championships in a row. That's why the whole Jordan would have won eight straight narrative is probably false. Hakeem might have got him in one. Because it's so hard to do that. You're of the opinion Jordan would have won eight straight? Yeah. Yeah. Jordan would have lost one. If if Jordan would have... No. To who? To Hakeem and the Rockets. No. Wouldn't happen. Dream might have caught him with one. No. No. He wouldn't. Not like Jordan in his heyday? No. Like the worst thing that could have happened to the league was Jordan leaving and coming back in the playoffs. He didn't come back to start a new season. He came back in the playoffs and lost, which a lot of people forget. They oh, yeah. lost to the match. Came back wearing the 4-5. Lost with yeah. it. Switched right back to the 2-3. Right. But he came in, had his conditioning back together, and, was, and wanted to win. Like, he would have, like, dude. I, I know the, the, like, the, there's this weird narrative that it's not even weird. Like, people, these LeBron, like, LeBron's better in every statistical category. Except winning, guys. Except winning. When it matters, Jordan was always winning. And, and people talk about... Go no, ahead. What no, about to say? No, I was about to say, and my point is, Kawhi Leonard could go to the Lakers and win. He could go, then, he could go pretty much wherever he wants and win. So I'm not, I'm not just trying to say he has to go to the Lakers to win. But if you look at the best situation for winning, it is easily the Los Angeles Lakers. You can't deny that. The I don't want to say the easiest, but the best. If he goes to the Lakers, but it's, it's almost a foregone conclusion. It's such a cheap move, though. Like I can understand. Look, look, I understand Anthony Davis joining LeBron because the Pelicans were never sniffing a championship. They weren't coming close. Okay. So I can understand Anthony Davis making that move. So losers but can Kawhi, make a super team, just not winners. It's not even a super team. It's like that's only two players. Like no, but LeBron, I'm saying if a fellow loser had gone there with those two. Then it's fine. A, well, a, a winner fellow, can't join them. Wait, a fellow loser like who? I, just, I mean, you have to give me somebody. Uh, let's say Damian Lillard. So if Dame goes there to be their third guy, I, that's not a problem. I wouldn't like move. it. No, it still, it still is. Okay, because but he's not you, winning in Portland. But, but what I'm saying, but it's unfair, right? Kawhi had just won a title in Toronto. So he, he's the alpha dog. What, like a few weeks ago, there was this argument is where is Kawhi ranked? And I said, let's wait until he wins before we start crowning him as the best player in the league. Yeah. He fucking won. So at this point in time, you can argue that he's the best player in the NBA. Some people may still give it to Kevin Durant. Some people may give it to LeBron. Anthony Davis, in the strange way, is always gets pushed out of this conversation at the end of the season, but he's always right there at the beginning of the season. Yeah. You got to put Steph. Just, can't forget that. Yeah, the you beard. put Steph. But Steph's argument is vice versa. He's always there. At the beginning of the season, people start to take him out at the end of the season because they say whatever happens in the playoffs, blah, 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 which I think is fucking ridiculous, but whatever. Kawhi just won a title in Toronto, a city that – in a country that never won an NBA title. And he led that team to the title by destroying his second dynasty in his career. Because the first one, yeah, he was with Tim Duncan and them, but he was the man that was defending LeBron James. Yep. This time around, he was the alpha dog in a, for a Toronto team that nobody picked to go to the finals. Nobody picked them. Everybody picked Boston to go, and, fit, and half of the people picked Boston to win. So Kawhi went to a Toronto team that people thought he'd be a short stay there. He'd lose and find his way to L.A. Didn't happen. He won the fucking championship. So him, like, for him to leave the Toronto means he's really homesick, really homesick. And that's the only thing I could attribute it to. But the problem with going to L.A. is – 
Every player has a little bit of ego. Everybody does. But you've already won two championships. How many how many titles has LeBron won? Three. I I, I find it weird that you want to help somebody else get more titles than you. You just like, want to go you, home if he goes to the, the Lakers. Go to the it's just so he can go home. Go to the Clippers. Why would you go home go and go to the worst situation? It makes no sense. Wait, 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 wait. You call the Clippers who almost beat the Warriors in a seven-game series the worst situation? Today, today they are worse. Yes. What's what's the worst? Because the Lakers situation? weren't what the Lakers are today. Okay, but if but I think a lot of people there are some players who are dogs who like to compete who like to beat the best because you feel more accomplished by beating the best. And Kawhi has already proven he could do that. So, so he has to continue doing this for the rest of his career. Now he why? can't go and join other people when no, he no. has the chance. He's you're saying why? It. You're saying why can't he? Why does he want to is my question. If I'm competitive, if I'm the man who has beaten the man, like it, on Kawhi's books, he has beaten LeBron James, Kevin Durant, like even though Kevin was hurt, Steph Curry. I've beaten the man. What the fuck am I going to join the man for? You come to me. I'm sitting on the throne. He's the I don't free go agent. And he's not, no one's no. going to Toronto. He didn't want to be in Toronto. He went, made the best of his no, situation, he, and won. But I'm telling you, why would I go to somewhere else who wants to be the man? LeBron wants to be the king. AD wants to win a title. I can beat them. Why am I going to join them? I can, I've proven I can beat them. Plus, you stay in Toronto, you do a two-year deal, you max out in two years. So if it's about the money, you could do that as well. If it's about the money, then yes, staying in Toronto is the right move. And I assume if he resigns with Toronto, like reports are saying, it's about the money. And it's smart. That, I'm not saying that's not smart. But if you want to win, I, I'm hard-pressed to believe when someone says Kawhi is a winner. Kawhi is this. Kawhi, people are acting like they know Kawhi's inner workings. Oh, he's so quiet. Oh, he's old school. Like, No. That's his personality. Who knows what he can do or what he wants to do when he finally has control of his own life and where he's going to play. So no one but knows said, nothing about him. But if he wants to but you win. Just said, if, he just won. So what are you talking about? If he wants to win, the easiest like, route what? is the Lakers. <laughs> but what are you talking like you Like you say, if he, he wants to win, he if, already won. He won, so he, he just, just doesn't have to win again. Or no, no, no. he just no, has to no, make I'm it saying, hard purposely. Is what you're saying. Make it challenging on purpose. Why are you talking about making it challenging? Dog, you won. You won. Like, dog, I can understand if he lost. This is an easier decision to make. But you won. You didn't lose. You beat the damn Thanos of the NBA, the team that had the Infinity Gauntlet. You beat them. With three stones missing, but correct. Three stones missing regardless. (laughs) Nobody thought y'all would even get there. But nobody even thought y'all would get there. Y'all won. And who's to say, with a LeBron and Anthony Davis's injury history and LeBron getting older, that one or both don't get hurt? And Kawhi's kind of screwed because there's, there's no depth on that Lakers roster. So as much as we look at it on the surface level and say he goes there, automatic title, yeah, it's true if they all stay healthy. But nothing's true because Toronto just debunked the idea of a super team by leading Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, and a bunch of other guys, Fred Van Feet, to a title. He led them there. I, I don't know about you. I like to win and be the leader of a winning team. And if I've already done it, you, you have to come take my throne. I'm the man now. If I've already you. done I, it, I don't have to prove it again. I can go wherever I want. If I want to go home, 
and at home. That's like me saying hypothetically, and you hate my hypothetical and you hate my analogies. But are terrible. If I'm playing, but if I'm playing baseball, and I've been playing with the Dodgers throughout my career because I can't choose to go anywhere else. I win a championship and I want to go home. I'm not going to the Mets. I'm going to the Yankees. You're telling but, this is like telling someone to go to the Mets. You're so great, go to the Mets. Why? They have no no, no story no, in history. They no, don't have no, the better players. If I'm going no, home, I'm going there. No. Look, if you're going somewhere, you like if, again, everybody has an ego, even though Kawhi doesn't show it. Mm-hmm. He's got an ego. So he doesn't want to be like, listen, the narrative that is going to happen, because let's just say he goes to the Lakers. They lose, like the Heat lost in the, when they first joined up. And then shit starts happening. Kawhi doesn't talk a lot. LeBron talks a little bit more. Anthony Davis is in a new situation. Somebody's going to get the blame. Somebody. Somebody's going to be the, the guy who runs that team. Somebody's going to be the face of that franchise. It won't be Kawhi. There's a problem with that. When you just won a title, Kawhi would be the leader of that team. No, he wouldn't. You you, you classify you classify whose team it is. It's LeBron. It's LeBron's. So LeBron is the face of the team. I, I believe Kawhi would yes. be the leader of that team. How he he's he's joining LeBron's team. Like even though LeBron just got there, mm-hmm. everything that's happened to LA right now is because of LeBron. Correct. It's LeBron's team. LeBron is also the leader of that team. LeBron will be facilitating the offense. It's LeBron's team, not Kawhi's, not Anthony Davis's. Anthony Davis can be fine with that. He didn't win shit. I'm a champion. I just won the title, MVP. Dog, I could, I could go anywhere I want to. Yeah, If I want to go to the Clippers who were this close to beating the Warriors, look, maybe I just want to beat LeBron's ass. What if he wants to go to the Lakers? Like, do now, why, like, why does the narrative change? And why is it a pump move the player, if he the goes player. to the Lakers? Because he's proved everything Dog. you wanted to see already. Look, if you want to go, like if you're going to the Lakers to win a ring and joining LeBron, because you could do the same shit Gary Payton and Carl Malone did, they fucking lost. But if you want to go for a ring, I think it's a home move. If you want to go home and there's another option there, unless you really want to join the Lakers, that's the only team on your radar for whatever reason, because we don't know what Kawhi wants. We don't even know how bad Kawhi wanted. We don't know how bad Kawhi wanted to be traded to the Lakers in the first place. Like we don't know. No. And I'm we, or the Clippers. we're assuming I mean, we're yeah, assuming all of like the, the reports were but that I, he wanted to go saying, to the Clippers or the Lakers, you know, just L.A. area to go home. And then now yeah, because, we, we do know his three final teams. It's the team he just won with. Obviously, that should be one of his final squads. The Lakers and the Clippers. Two of them are in L.A. Those are the only other two teams who have received meetings. So with that being the case and the facts, we can insinuate strongly that he has a draw to the Los Angeles area. Right, but he took a meeting with the Clippers, did he not? No, yeah, of course. So I'm saying he okay. he values Los Angeles, and obviously okay. he values loyalty because he's giving Toronto a meeting. I'm just saying he wait like he didn't not take a meeting with the Clippers. So it's not like if, if you had the option to go to the Mets or the Yankees, you only met with the Yankees. You go to the Yankees, okay, that makes sense. But I could if you meet, meet with, with both, the Mets or the Yankees, and I'd be a weirdo if I went to the Mets. Why would you be a weirdo if you went to the Mets? Because the Mets aren't they're the little brother. Until they win, right? No, the, the Mets ain't... Listen, the Clippers, Kawhi goes there tomorrow. He wins two championships with the Clippers. They're never the Lakers. They're always little brother. You sure about that? I am positive. The Clippers will never be the Los Angeles Lakers. So ever. If, if, Your if, White Sox will never be the Cubs. 
So if if Kawhi not to pick goes on your to the team, Clippers, but your White Kawhi, Sox are not the Cubs. If Kawhi goes to the, I know the Cubs team that didn't win shit for like ninety years. Yes, That's, but somehow they were still Big Brother. But Big Brother to who? In the realm of sports, so you're, not, you're telling me the Cubs aren't I'm, big brother to the White Sox? No, they were fucking losers, right? The Boston Red Sox were fucking losers, right? And yeah, somebody had to change the narrative. Yeah. They were losers. That's all I'm saying. Like, if, if Kawhi goes to the Clippers and they won three championships, let's just say he goes, they win three championships, and they, they kick everybody's ass in the West, yeah. you don't think the Clippers are taking, taking over in LA? Like, if Kevin Durant comes back and looking at all the bad moves the Knicks made, even though the Knicks are the more valuable franchise in terms of dollar signs mm -hmm. you think brooklyn's taking over new york no i no. Like, the knicks are still the knicks the dog, knicks are big we're brother about, we're talking about the new generation of kids who grew up and saw jay-z with the nets who have seen the knicks do nothing oh, the, but lose yeah yeah brooklyn brooklyn's hot and cool and swaggy for a second they're not big brother but they will become big brother because you change the narrative. The Patriots, once upon a time, were the laughing stock of the fucking NFL. Tom Brady. They don't have someone right there with them. Dynasty. That's the difference. They don't have two. What? They don't have two teams in the same city. You're, you're nothing. That's cool. You're okay. facing your own legacy. I'm talking about when someone's there with you. When you're shoulder to shoulder, constant comparison. Giants, Jets. Giants, Jets. Right. And like, if the Jets were like, okay, so here's the question: You want to join the Giants because what exactly? Because of you want to, like you want to join the Mets over the Yankees because of what exactly? You mean the Yankees over the Mets? I mean, Yankee, yeah, no, no. If you chose, yeah, if you chose the Yankees over the Mets, or you choose the Lakers over the Clippers, it's a storied franchise. It is the franchise in that city. And if I'm going home, I'm going mean? to be the man in my city. But you won't be the man. That'll be LeBron's team. If he goes and they win in L.A., the narrative will be is that he won LeBron that ring. LeBron couldn't sure do it without him. I am positive. No, but are you sure that the narrative is that, that he did, like there, he carried them? There is no it's way not, it's not, that it's, Kawhi it's goes not to Anthony Los Angeles. Nope. There's no way that Kawhi goes to Los Angeles with the Lakers. And the Lakers win a championship. And people don't say Kawhi is the reason they won. They would say if they didn't get Kawhi free agency, they would have lost. LeBron could never do it himself. LeBron begged Kawhi to come. Kawhi had just won a chip. And they brought him over to get them over the hump. Kawhi would get all the praise. Every single one of it. The problem is, and you mentioned this earlier, does he get the blame? In which, if they don't lose, I think LeBron still gets the blame. It is a win-win for Kawhi. Look. In the pantheon of history, LeBron is, is right now neck and neck with Michael Jordan as the best two players to ever play the game. True. Period. Kawhi's not there yet. So right now, the winning and failing falls on LeBron. Period. Like Ka Kawhi helped them there, but Kawhi didn't lead them there. It was LeBron that brought Kawhi in. If they win. If they lose, it's, it was LeBron who didn't put the right team together. I'm not it's even LeBron sure the narrative team. of LeBron's three rings right now if people would say more than one was on the back of LeBron James. And no, this is just no, the narrative. That, I, I that's think, the problem. I think, in, my, I think that's, in Miami, people still say Ray Allen got you one championship off a lucky shot. Or D-Wade did this. And then when he went to that's, Cleveland, that's the only one they really be like, okay, you did that, Braun. Right. And that's when LeBron's legacy changed when he won at home in Cleveland. Like, winning in Miami was like, okay, cool, a couple rings. But nobody was like, yo, he's, he's nipping at Jordan's heels. When he beat the Golden State Warriors, LeBron became the man. That's when it changed. Not with the Heat. 
Kawhi is, do, is able to do that in Toronto or if he's able to do that in Clippers, fuck team legacy. You are the legacy. Nobody wanted to go to Cleveland until LeBron was there. LeBron left. Everyone left. I think he does it in Toronto. He's, he's great. He's amazing. He's Tim Duncan. No, he's not Tim Duncan. And Timmy, the only reason Timmy D is top 10, maybe? But, but, but the only reason that you could say that about Tim Duncan is because like big fundamentals. And which is he's he's unfairly undervalued in this league because he is arguably one or two power forward in ever. all time. Yeah, yeah, easily, if not the best but, power forward. I, yeah, there's not but, a better power forward than. But with with Kawhi, he carries the same personality. Yep. So it's like, so he'd be undervalued. In in but the thing is, but look, look, if he wins, if he went, if he won, if he goes to Toronto, mm-hmm. if he stays home, and he wins again this year, there's way more value in winning back home in Toronto than there is going to LA and winning. Way more value. Uh, I can't. I can't knock that. You would have to tell me that he's not going to win three in L.A. You know, like if he just wins one in L.A. and then he could stay in Toronto and win another one this year. I think there's more value in staying in Toronto and winning. The key is: so, is can you go to L.A. and win three? Can Can you leave as a five time champion, or are you just going to leave as a three time champion? But that's a problem. You don't know. And that's the uncertainty about going to the Lakers. There, it, you don't know how long LeBron's going to be stay healthy. Because Father Time is undefeated. And True. Catch I, I, still like, moment. I still like that one-two in Coos, though. But, but like what I, what I'm him, is, Anthony what I'm Davis, saying, and Coos when LeBron's gone? I, that's not a bad team. But what I'm saying is this. Why are you leaving a situation? Like, in, in, if, you're winning, if you're leaving because you want to win, you already won. You got to go to a new team that's to refigure out their chemistry. You play with a team with a bunch of role players with no ego. Yeah. You didn't have a bunch of media bombarding you. You didn't like you. You could live your life in Toronto. You can't really live your life in LA. LeBron's used to that shit. He can deal with it. He can deal with that kind of pressure. Yeah, he brought it and on I'm himself. Saying, he wanted and, that and pressure. Not, and not saying Kawhi can't deal with the pressure, but it's a different pressure when you're playing with LeBron. And everybody said it. It's the reason why Kyrie left. It, it, it's it's a big brother little brother thing regardless of how good Kawhi is it's lebron's team and again my issue would be nil if the toronto got bounced in the second round of the playoffs if that if Kawhi missed that jumper and the sixers beat him in overtime i would have no i, I wouldn't have as much to say about this conversation but you just won a country their first title you did it i, I you think proved- you did what you were there for you were a mercenary you brought them their chip Cool. But no, but nobody expected you to win. That's my point. Nobody expected them to win. Kawhi probably expected to win. Yeah. I mean, the no, front office not. expected them to win. No, they didn't. I mean, that's they, why I they mean, traded. Every, <laughs> I mean, but, that was a ballsy trade. They, they do it because they want to win. But, it, but when you go to L.A., you're expected to win. Everybody else just wants to win. Like, Golden State was expected to win. When, when you're expected to win and you lose, that failure weighs so much more than anything else. Kawhi's in a situation where he won, and people are still going to doubt the Raptors if he stays there. And I don't know, I, maybe I'm wrong, but maybe Kawhi feeds off that kind of energy. And, and maybe that energy is a little easier to man, manhandle. He can stay low-key in Toronto. That's what He's, we don't like, know. Because we don't know, he but, had to be in San Antonio contractually because they drafted him. And then once... Timmy D left and you had Ginobili retire and all this stuff. He got hurt and requested a trade. 
Now people say he requested a trade because they did him dirty and, you know, the the training staff wasn't up to par. No, that That's cool. Yeah, I mean, it seems as though he went to Toronto and was like, yo, I need better training. I need, you know, management of my minutes, all this stuff. They gave him all that. It paid off. Um, but so maybe that's why he left San Antonio. Regardless, he forced his way out to a new team. Now this team, he made it clear like, yo, I'm just here to do my job. He never once committed to going back. He's now giving them a meeting. Maybe he's falling in love with that situation. That's fine. Like Paul George, right? Like Paul George did. That's fine. You can fall in love with the situation. I'm not saying that can't happen. But we don't know. I, I strongly dislike when people say, oh, he's old school. Oh, he's different. Like, oh, he's not Kevin I mean, Durant and LeBron. Different. He's not going to go do what they he's do. Different. How do you know? He hasn't had that chance yet. He hasn't hit free agency. He could be built Obviously. the same way. But he's different. We know that. Just by his laugh, his demeanor, he's different. Like, why is it different? Yeah, he's just a different different dude. Yeah. But that doesn't mean, like, business-wise or or just team-wise, competitive-wise, that he doesn't appreciate being with someone else. The the reports, and these are just reports because who knows what the hell he's thinking, but of him reaching out to KD, yo, where you go? You know, do you want to link up? Is it possible for us to link up? Telling the Clippers, yo, bring in another star. I want to play with someone else. These are all very real things he could have said or could be thinking. We don't know. So, so pe- people assume, so like, oh, point, he would never leave, and he's going to be down for his team. No, that's not a right narrative. He could still leave. No one knows him like that. Yeah, but that I don't care about any of that. I'm talking about the super teams or whole moves, and when you already <laughs> won, there's no reason for you to join somebody else and help them win. I love you super teams. Fun. I'm a Yankees fan. I hope we sign everyone all the time. I'm so glad we just got the number one prospect out of the Dominican, I want that kid to be a beast. I call him the next Mike Trout. I'm on the bandwagon. I want all. I want my Yankees to be stacked every year. Best pitching, spend all the money it takes. I don't care. That's so lame. And I'm okay with <laughs> other so... people wanting their teams to do the same. I'm not a Lakers fan, but you know what? Lakers fans, have your day. Have your super team. And when we get to the finals, if they lose to the Sixers, I'm going to love it. Because that's the See, best part about super teams it. is when they lose. That's sorry. I, I like competitiveness. I like teams that are that like to compete. I like players who like to fight to win. I don't like the easy way out. I mean, you I still got to go out there like, and do it. Of course, but I don't like putting everything in your favor. So, like, make it the odd. Like, again, when you become expected to win, it's just shit. It's just fun. Like, why the fuck are we doing the regular season? Like, if the Warriors didn't get hurt, this season would have sucked. Because oh, there was no way they were winning the title. But, that, but that's not fun. Except for Warriors fans. But for, the, for, like, for people who want to just watch like, teams compete, like, there's a reason why people like, started to like the Bucks this year. They just, they're just building piece by piece. Same with the Sixers. They built it through the draft piece by piece. They got a few free agents. All right, now we're making some moves. But when you just throw a bunch of people from random places together because we're all the best in the world, we can't win somewhere else, we've got, got to come here to win, it's kind of corny. Listen, like, I'm, yeah, I'm not, and, and I'm not say, the ultimate underdog guy. Like, I'm okay. I don't, I don't need the underdog like to win. Thing. Like, look, look. Like, Jordan, I, the reason why Jordan's legacy has persevered for as long as it has is because he never left Chicago. So he went to the Wizards. But he, he won titles in, where he lost. Titles, well, not even titles. We that's lost true, but I mean, even then, like that—that's such a weird comparison because they didn't have free agency like free agency is now. Like it, it, it was still matter. such a new concept. Like, but I'm just saying, 
the point is, is like when like Kobe is Kobe because he's in L.A. The only problem was when Shaq came, <laughs> like seriously, because when Shaq came, there was a tug of war of whose team this was and if Kobe could have done it on his own and blah, 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 blah. And they weren't even like a really a super team. And when you, when you talk about the Mount Rushmore of the Lakers, it's going to get real interesting because it's magic. Probably Jerry West because he's the fucking logo. Kobe. Kareem. And Kobe. Yeah. I don't think LeBron deserves Where's to be on there. Else? Like, no, but that's, you, you but go that's there no late point. in your like, career, like, no, you're not. Uh, him being a great player does not a great Laker make. Like, he, he shouldn't have a statue in the front. Unless he brings maybe two chips. But, like, if he just brings nothing, goes to the finals, loses, and then retires as a Laker, he shouldn't get a statue. He did nothing. No. And, that, and, that, and that's the other side of free agency. The other side of free agency is those guys who go to multiple teams and they'd be like, oh, he's one of the best, but he's, he doesn't deserve a statue. Right? Like, LeBron doesn't deserve a statue. He's going to have in two. LA, unless, he's going to have two elsewhere. Like, I think he'll be fine. Like, he, he deserves a statue in Cleveland because he brought him a title. I mean, you could say he won one in Miami, but they won without him with Dwayne Wade and Shaq. And even then, Shaq... Hey, who the fuck talks about Shaq with the Heat? No one. That's D-Way's like team. Shaq is- That's what they're going to talk about Kawhi. Kawhi won it. It's old no. man Braun. No. It's going to be Kawhi but taking Braun. This, but you see what just happened? That was Dwayne Wade's team. This is LeBron's team. I don't think it's anyone's You're Kawhi. team. Yet. To be no, fair. It's LeBron's I, I, team. It's unquestionably LeBron's team. I don't care who comes. It's LeBron's team. Because LeBron was there before them. And LeBron is also one to a lot of people, one B to Jordan's one A. It's LeBron's fucking team. <sighs> unless LeBron, unless LeBron has the ultimate groin strain and is hurt for eighty-two games, and Kawhi and AD carry that team to a title, it's LeBron's team. It's going to be LeBron's team. It's the bigger personality, is the bigger star. It's going to be LeBron's team. There think, will be a fight. There I will think be winning solves this. all. No, but. <laughs> If you win, like, it was never Jordan and Pippen's team. Could, could Jordan have not won without Pippen? No. No, oh. no. No, I, I think but that was proven. But whose team is that? The Bulls are oh. Jordan's team. I mean, okay. that's, that's, that's very true. But Jordan, that, he had roots, man. That's like, eh, that's, that's a lot different. It, yeah, that's, that's a lot different. Yeah, like, we go on depth on this for hours but that's that's a whole different territory Jer- jordan's a different breed nothing else will be jordan it's like being combat sports and talking about mayweather he's a different breed don't don't even put anyone in that category in terms of what he did during that era um and how stuff changed because of him like jordan jordan's a whole different level um let's move on spoke so long about that we'll touch on two quick twitter things just because they were wild as hell and i wanted to see what your opinion was one Earlier today, Jaquez posted a photo. Jaquise? I don't know who Jaquise is. One, who is Jaquise? That was my first question for you. Who is this guy? Why is he famous? He's an R&B singer who has basically, uh, oh boy, just claimed he's the king of R&B, and that's why people care. I've heard two songs of his. Both were him covering other people's songs. Yeah. Like a R&B weird owl. I I don't get it. So anyway, he posted this 
And the picture, I guess, is supposed to symbolize that he's the king, he's the greatest. And he redid the Ali pose, the underwater joint. Instead, he's singing with full clothes on. Or with boxing gear and singing into a mic. And people were letting him have it. So it's I guess, corny, man. yeah, I mean, I don't understand this. What is the what is the thrill with remaking these historic things? Like, are you piggyback? Are these guys piggybacking off of someone else's legacy? Is that what's cool? Because I, I see this a lot now. People love remaking iconic photos, or people been doing this with the Marilyn Monroe thing for years. Like that's just never cool to me. No, it's corny. I mean, you know, piggybacking off of somebody's legacy. It's it's. You know, it's the pitch. Joining a super team. Oh, no conversation. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. The, but, you know, in the case of Jack, he's, he's looking at it as short-term game. Because all he's gaining is notoriety. Because, to be honest, like you said, you only heard two songs. But you know who he is because he's doing this dumb shit. And true. Buzz is the name of the game. And that's what everybody does on Twitter. You try to create a buzz. And in Jackie's case, he's trying to create a buzz. His music still sucks to me. But that's all he's trying to do. And for short-term value, there is some value there. He's going to get some followers. I don't know what this does for his pockets. I don't know. Like, it definitely doesn't hold any weight long-term. Yeah, I don't know how you monetize this. I mean, you turn like all you really do is become the Trinidad James R&B. Like, you're the old gold everything guy. Like, you're hot for a second, then you disappear. He doesn't even have a hit like Trinidad. He he doesn't. But, like, what he's doing is his buzz is more significant than his music. And now he he's taking it to an extreme where it's nonsensical. The Ali photo is like, what the fuck are you doing? But it's going to have us questioning, what the fuck are you doing? Because otherwise, we're not asking Jacques what the fuck he's doing. True. We don't care. And we mentioned him on a combat sports show. So, I mean, the guy, I guess there's no such thing as bad publicity, right? But there is such thing as bad publicity, but... He, he better parlay yeah. this into something that, that makes sense. He better drop a so, single. Well, sooner or later, the question becomes, where's the music? That's all that matters. Yeah. Like, you can do you all that shit if the music is good. Yeah. yeah like, the, the question will eventually come. Like, if he's going to keep doing this, and people are going to be like, where's the album? Then the album comes out, and people either go, man, you lived up to the hype. Or you created the, you put the bar so high for yourself that nothing you, you do is going to exceed that. So, yeah. I think he's in the latter. Because covering people's songs is fucking whack. <laughs> like, this is exhausting. <laughs> like, do your own thing, man. Yeah, I'm going to bet on the latter as well. Um, the last thing, have you seen this dumbass cucumber challenge on Twitter? I saw like one thing. It's a thing now. It's a thing. So like, uh, young women. I haven't seen too many old women, older women. Like, uh, younger women are just practicing fellatio on cucumbers and taping themselves and putting it on the internet for likes. I'm assuming. Um, today I saw a disturbing video of a woman who it looked like she swallowed an entire cucumber. They had to go in through her belly and retrieve it. Like it's, it's some dumb shit. One that, that can't be possible. Cause I've taken A and P like, I would assume you would choke before it gets down into your stomach. Maybe not though. Um, yes. So that's what's crossing over on Twitter today, but it is a thing. The cucumber challenge and this had me reminiscing on what's the dumbest trend you've seen on social media. You've been around social media longer than me. And I've seen some dumbass ones. I mean, the Tide Pod challenge was really stupid. Oh, shit. I forgot about that. Like, dude, laundry detergent, guys. And, and, here, and the thing is this. 
what the fuck does this get you but a stomachache? And maybe a <laughs> hospital visit. Like a couple of likes. Talk anything for clout, right? Like but the reality is and what people have failed to realize, and maybe maybe I'm the wrong one here. Maybe I'm the one who's failing to realize this. Like people don't necessarily remember the most buzzwordsy thing of the day, right? Like Avatar broke box office records. But name one person that could talk about what that movie was about. I just remember it being Pocahontas with blue people. And but legacy is everything. Like creating something that's going to live forever, like the substance of your your art, like Jacques, like if you've made good music, or like doing Tide Pod challenges is like the avatar of the internet. Because people are gonna be like, who the fuck did Because they're not even remember who did it. They're gonna remember it was a thing, like Avatar. It was a thing, right? Yeah. What was that thing about? I don't know. Who did it? Who cares? Because who was in Avatar? Yeah, no, I don't even. Zoe, Zoe Saldana? Zoe Saldana? <laughs> I don't know. I think and that's like, it. Yeah. Everyone was blue, man. I don't know who the hell was in that movie. So, like, the Tide Pod Challenge is the Avatar fucking social media. Like, these, the Cucumber Challenge, ain't nobody gonna look at it and say, look at who did the challenge. Like, nobody cares. Not I don't care all. who sucked off a cucumber. <laughs> nobody cares the challenge is stupid but nobody's gonna go looking for that person and yeah, especially not like and these pop years. up every now and then like my stupidest thing on social media isn't even a challenge per se but it's something that is wildly played out on twitter but since like 2011 has come up religiously every year and that's the 200 dollars date topic and that is the most annoying topic on twitter I don't even pay any attention. Hands down. The two See, this is how I know old man Andreas in the building. And this is how I know also. You don't gotta worry about it. You had your wife. Before then yeah. she was your fiance. Before then she was your your lady at home. You never had to worry about paying two hundred dollar dates or even knowing that women expected you to drop two hundred dollars on a date. And anything less is broke boy status. And I look back at it, I was like, damn, when I just started writing and I had no dough, I'll be damned if a woman told me I had to spend $200 on a date. I would have been a lonely guy. So, yeah, yeah that's, that's my dumbest shit Twitter has produced, $200 dates. And I'm saying this, and I'm sure the topic would be brought up by Officially Ice next week, and people will take it and run with it again, because that's how Twitter is. Uh, <laughs> let's get into combat sports. Wait. Before we get into comments, sports, I do want to say one thing because I went to the movies yesterday. I didn't see Spider Man Far From Home. Oh, I didn't plan on. I saw it yesterday. I, is it as great as people say it is? It is very, very well done. Um, my problem comes with after the movie. So. Okay, that's it. Um, we'll talk. Next I'm gonna week. go. See, yeah, I'm going to see it. But uh, I saw the last Black Man in San Francisco, and if you have an opportunity to go see this movie please do this because y'all know i'm like a big movie guy and i wanted to see this movie because they had it at sundance obviously i didn't go to sundance this year because i work for the zone so my sundance days are almost over but i heard great things about this movie it's about two brothers well not even two brothers two friends who live in san francisco and it's all about gentrification this movie is so fucking good and my wife says a little bit too long it's a sundance movie sundance movies are always long <laughs> but I, if you find it in your city, go see this movie. It is, I, it's, it's hard to put in words how beautiful it is, how touching it is. Like, there are a couple moments, there's a moment in that movie where I damn near shed something. Because 
it's strong. But it's about gentrification. And, and the shit that happens in this movie is so, like, it, it hits on so many levels. So, before we move on to combat sports, I'm just telling everybody, if you have the opportunity to see The Last Black Man in San Francisco, do yourself a favor and go see it. And the other thing is, if anybody has seen um, uh, the Central Park film on, uh, series on Netflix, God, I can't think of the boy's name, who was absolutely phenomenal in that damn movie. Oh, and everybody yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I can't think of his name, and I'm having a brain fart. And somebody's going to tweet me and say, what's wrong with you? You should remember this. I should. <laughs> but everybody's talking about him winning, winning Emmys, and it's hard to see him not being nominated for that performance. The guy who plays Montgomery in Last Black Man in San Francisco, just give him all the fucking awards. He's that good. And I've never seen this kid act before in my life. Uh, and I w- Jarrell abs- Jerome I was like, is the name of the kid? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Jarrell Jerome. There you go. Um, but yeah, he killed it when they see this. But my, the, the guy who plays Montgomery in The Last Black Man in San Francisco, oh my god. This is... Dude. And then, cause what, what I had to do after I saw the film is I had to watch an interview with him. And I was like, oh, after you see the interview, that even makes more sense. Because you're like, dude, he's like, he better get more roles. Go see it. <laughs> if you've seen it, tweet me about it. If you haven't seen it, go see it. Tweet me about it after you see it. I'm just, I'm endorsing the shit out of this movie. I'm well, you talked me into it. I'll be watching it on Monday, taking the kids to L.A. on Sunday, and I'll be kidless for the week, so I'm off on Monday. That's what I'll be doing. Yeah, watching that shit. movie. Um, yeah, man. Other thing I forgot to put in the rundown, just real quick. Uh, Lil Nas X came out last day of Pride um, that he was, let me get this right, queer. Not gay, necessarily, but queer. It's on the the list of letters and uh shout out to him though like uh it's great and the upheaval of people reacting and oh my god i'm not gonna listen to his music like yeah get the hell out of here you said that when you found out he was black like it's, it's the same false narrative you're still gonna be bumping this shit shut up and he's on like five different billboard charts rock rap uh country overall like he's fine all right listen Old Town Rose is not my favorite song on the EP. Panini is. But <laughs> nevertheless, nevertheless, the point is, is that if you would have told Andreas Hale in 1998 that a black queer kid was going to run the country music charts, I'd have been like, what kind of fantasy land is this? <laughs> and, it, and it fucking happened. And I can't be more happy for that kid than anything. Like, dude. Get, rock on. Like, even if I don't fuck with your music, I fuck with what you're doing to the industry. Yeah. Keep doing that shit. Yeah, so shout out to him. Huge respects there. Uh, Dre, MMA, finally. Going over to combat sports, uh, before we break down UFC 239, what are your thoughts on the UFC releasing John Lineker today? Um, Mister, I can't make money. <laughs> oh, like, dude, they got rid of Elias Theodoro and he was winning fights. Like, John Lineker couldn't make weight. So I yeah, could care what the less hell happened to Theodoro? Like, you just priced him out? No, the UFC was just like, I, the, I think what Dana said, which is, I, I can't where he's trying to come from. He's still very weird. Like, Theodoro doesn't have, like, great fights. Even if he's winning, he was never going to be a title contender. So he's just kind of there. So, so they just kind of got rid of him and moved yeah. on. I guess, so yeah, if you're not challenging for the belt, then what are they paying you for, right? Like, yeah, it's like, eventually. And, then, and, I, and maybe they're looking at him and like, he's beating people. Like, he, like but I, I thought he was, you know, a good ambassador for the sport, but hey, they didn't. Yeah, he's so funny. The, 
yeah, the case of John Lineker, it's like, oh, you can't make weight. And I'm just like, they cut him. So? <laughs> like, I don't care. Oh, now people are clamoring. Now now it has, I, to a lesser degree, obviously, but the UFC is starting to have that uh, AEW effect where now people are, you know, fantasy booking Lineker versus other people in other promotions. Like, oh, I got to see him against Horiguchi. Like, I got to see him against the Pitbull brother. It's like, yeah, like, cool, it'll be a good fight, but, like, I'm not clamoring for it. So I don't care. Like, I don't, I don't really care that much. Yeah. Not every release is DJ. Yeah. Like, yeah. some people, cool, they're going to fight somewhere else. Like, I'm not overly swayed one way or the other. He fits into that category. Um, UFC 239, today was open workouts. And I did not go to that. Me either. I was actually, I spent time with Caleb Plant today. That's what I did. Oh, man, that guy is great. Is he fighting out here this weekend? No, he's fighting. Dog, he's fighting on on against Mike Lee in uh, on the undercard of. Well, he's on. He's the headliner on Fox on July twentieth, but it's technically the undercard of Pacquiao Thurman. So he headlines okay. PBC on Fox, and it transitions over to pay per view where Thurman fights uh, Pacquiao. Pacquiao. Yeah. So but, I just saw the emails like coming through, and I was like, "Fuck, am I gonna miss his fight this weekend?" Because there's been a lot of stuff about Plant coming through from PBC, and I, I thought it was separate cards. I'm glad it's on that same card, which means we'll be there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I missed open workouts. You missed them. So what are we talking about? <laughs> we're just we're talking about the actual fights, not the lead-up okay. to the fights, the actual fights um, happening this weekend and just going through the cards. So let's see nothing in the early prelims. Regular prelims, uh, we have Claudia Gadeja. On there versus Randa Marcos, I expect Claudia to win. I do too, but it, you know Claudia's on this weird career trajectory where she's losing fights now. Maybe she's on the wrong side of her career. I don't think Randa Marcos is the one to knock her off her square, but I think it's a pretty good litmus test to find out where what Claudia has left. Yeah, I feel like it's just a, a change in motivation. She just has to, you know, kind of wait in the, you know, wait out the bad times, get through it. And then gain that motivation again. Just losing it and losing how she did and getting so close to the title and not coming through. You know, it takes a toll on some fighters. You just got to get through the funk and, and turn it back on. Um, Marlon Vera is fighting. This was going to be a very exciting fight because it was supposed to be against uh, O'Malley. Yeah. And O'Malley's not cleared to fight yet because of the trace elements that they now seemingly don't care about John Jones having. So yeah, I, mean, I don't. I don't understand that. So uh, Marlon Vera is now facing uh, Hernandez. Cool, like whatever. Less enthused now. Uh, Gilbert Melendez versus Arnold Allen. Featherweight Gilbert. This is another one of those fights to figure out what Gilbert has left. Uh, Arnold Allen's won like five or six in a row. Yeah. Uh, the last time we saw Gilbert was Jeremy Stevens, and he lost a decision. And Gilbert hasn't won a fight since he beat Diego Sanchez at UFC 166. Yowzers. 166. Almost 100 cards. <laughs> that's, that suspension <laughs> hurt him, too. Um, yeah, man, I, I'm going to just take Allen. Just because kid's 25, this is, this is a good statement fight for him. Go out there and make yeah, a name for yourself, kid. Yeah, I, I don't know what uh, Gilbert has left. And being away from the octagon and, you know, you haven't fought 
in almost two years. Yeah, good commentary uh, gigs too. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. I'm gonna pick Arlen Allen. I mean, I'd like to see Gilbert get it back, but not to go ahead and roll with Arlen Allen. This younger, fresher talent. He's not Arnold's not necessarily a finisher, but Gilbert's not either these days. So I'm gonna go with Allen. Uh, starting off the main card, this is where it really gets fun. Diego Sanchez versus Michael Chiesa. And I I think Chiesa stops him, but this is going to be one hell of a fight for about four minutes. Yeah, I mean, look, when Diego Sanchez beat Mickey Gall, which a lot of us didn't see coming, nope. we, a lot of the, the narrative was like, oh, he's still got some left in the tank. Mike, Mickey Gall is not Michael Chiesa, guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, no. no. Not even, There's levels so, to this. Yeah. I fully expect Kiesa to win. He's bigger. He's stronger. He's younger. Um, you know, he beat Carlos Condit by submission in his last fight. Uh, you know, he lost with Anthony Pettis, but whatever. You know, it was when Kiesa was struggling to make weight. I think he goes in here. and I don't want to say he runs roughshod over Diego. I think Diego baits him into a firefight early, but I think he, he wins. He wins handily. Yeah, I, th- I think he finishes him, obviously. Uh, Diego's, yeah. Diego's there to kill or be killed at this point in his career. He's not outstanding someone he, at any point in his career. He wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. That's the thing about Diego Sanchez. Like, he would not have it any other way. He's either <laughs> going to get killed or he's going to kill. But That's you would it. think, like, you know, earlier in his career, coming out and just winging it and having amazing fights, that's cool. That was his style. You would think as you grow older, being 37 now, you'd be like a pitcher, right? Like, you, you lose your fastball, you're going to learn how to be more – you know, of uh, the pitching side of things, you're going to throw more breaking balls. You're going to be, you know, learn a cutter, get some other aspects, slow it down, be more technical. No, he's still going out there with the same game plan. At 37, yeah. he hasn't changed anything. Nothing at all. It's <laughs> <He's crazy. the laughs> It's so crazy. Um, he, he's on a clock because I don't, I don't want to see him take way too much damage. I want to see any in the sport take too much damage. But damn, it's exciting while he's here. Um, yeah. Next fight, who do we have? Jan Blakovich versus Luke Rockhold. Light heavyweight debut for Rockhold, which is weird because yeah. I think if he wins, he's immediately the number one contender. As weird as that sounds. <sighs> hmm. I mean, you still got guys like Johnny Walker hanging around, but uh, not even hanging around, surging up. But uh, yeah, I think Rockhold wins this fight. Um, it all depends on how he looks when he performs. Because the thing with Jan Blackwich is that Jan can still crack. And it'll be interesting to see what Luke has because Luke's the, the model guy and yeah. all these other things. But The chin hasn't know, been looking too sturdy. But we all look at Luke Rockhold from day he, He's a weird case because Luke Rockhold is one of those guys that we looked at and everybody said when he came for strike force, that's going to be the guy. Yep. Like He was supposed to be the middleweight champion for a long time. That didn't happen. And he's now becoming... A guy who hasn't lived up to what we thought he was going to be. Even I mean, though he, he became was a champion. champion. Yeah, like. yeah, but even though he became champion, we expected, like, there was a time when Anderson Silva was dominating that people looked at Rukai Rockhold as the guy that could beat Anderson Silva. Like, he was that guy. <sighs> yeah. So it's, it's interesting where he's at now versus where he was at then. Um, but I'm still picking Luke Rockhold to win and make some noise in this division. It just seems like that Bisping KOing him the majority of us thought was, okay, Bisping caught him with a lucky punch. Yeah. But since then, it kind of looks like the, the chin was gone. Maybe it was gone before then. And then now the rash oh. of injuries haven't helped. I mean, you got knocked out by Yoel Romero, who's a fucking bus. 
at middleweight. So it's like, I can't put too much stock in getting knocked out by Yo Romero because anybody that's hit by that shit is going to get knocked out. Look what he did to Chris Weidman. So I don't want to necessarily blame his chin. He's just facing, he was facing tougher guys. Um, and he got, got caught by Bisping, beat David Branch, and he got knocked out by Romero. So I'm not saying his chin is diminished or anything like that. He's been out of the cage for a year. Long time. So I'm curious, you know, what that does with the injuries and, you know, him moving up in weight. Those are things I'm more worried about. Is he back to training full-time at AKA? I believe so. All right. Then I pick Luke Rockhold to win. That's my (laughs) determining factor. Like, are you back to training full-time at AKA? Because a lot of the other stuff, he got cute. Splitting camps and then just going and training down in Florida and everything. Listen, go... Go to where your bread was buttered. Yes, you're still a great kickboxer, but being well-rounded, technical, being able to take people down, grind out fights, is what made him special because it made him the most well-rounded fighter in the division, which is why he beat Chris Weidman. He had all the tools, and he was just more well-rounded. I need to see him get back to then, there. And then if he wins, I, I think it's him versus John Jones because the history with Cormier and John, and then, you know, Rockhold kind of taking that up, and you let the other guys working their way up kind of breathe for a second. Yeah, it's possible. I think it all depends on his performance. If he comes in there and wipes Blackovich out, then you might have that argument. But who knows? I mean, now that, you know, we lost, uh, um, Alexander Augustin was gone, it's, it's going to be kind of interesting how all this shakes out and who ends up where. So it's a clear path to get to the title. He's just got to prove himself. Uh, in the next fight, another, what, two guys who are looking at a title shot, possibly in the future, near future, Ben Askren, Jorge Masvidal. Yeah, see, Masvidal, he's the king of the split decision, right? And he took out Darren Till, and everybody was like, well, he's on, he's going to get closer to a title. But it's fucking Ben Askren, guys. I, I think Ben Askren is going to wrestle, wrestle him to death. Yeah, Ben was almost knocked out before he started wrestling the last time, though. Uh, that was Robbie Lawler. A guy who can crack. I mean, Jorge has has decent power of his own. Uh, yeah, give me Ben Askren. I- I'm going to say in a boring fight, which is weird because Jorge Masvidal doesn't have boring fights. But, yeah, I think he wet blankets him. Yeah, I think the same. I think he'd be dumb to stand there and trade with Masvidal anyway. So I don't, yeah, I don't control- even think he's going to try. No, I think he knows what he's doing. And he, so I think he's going to go out there, smother him, take him down. And that's that. And Dana's so, going to hate it. I will put more money on Dana White just completely crushing his ass in the post fight. For being the worst fun. fight he's ever seen. He's not getting a title shot. The man doesn't even, he's scared to trade. He just wants to take fights to the ground. And yeah, I, I, I really feel that speech coming on. Um... Co-main, Amanda Nunez versus Holly Holm. Champ, champ. Man. So I'm writing a column, and I'm going to put it to you like this. This is a must-win for Holly Holm. If she does not win this fight, she is Buster Douglas. And that's that. Okay. That's that's not fair. That's fair. She's worked herself up into two other title situations. She is Buster Douglas. Buster was gone. No. She's but here's why she's Buster Douglas. She won the title, mm-hmm. and, and what happened? Lost she immediately. She lost the title. Yeah. Then she lost again. Then she lost again. Then she beat Betch Correa, who sucks. Who Correa just kind of ran in and just got mobbed. Then she lost again. Then she beat Megan Anderson to get this title shot, which 
Which she beat a 145-pounder to get a 135-pound title shot. Which is like, she's just, she's kind of there arbitrarily because she's the only person Amanda hasn't beat. Yeah. It's name, it's name alone at this point. It's not resume. No, there's not a, a bevy of other contenders, though, that like she jumped. So you're like, okay. But, but, that's, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, she's Buster Douglas because her claim to fame is knocking out Ronda Rousey. If she doesn't win this fight, she will be... What is that? One, two, three, four, five. Two and five in the last seven fights since beating Ronda Rousey. Ugh. She's busted. Yeah, that's she not would be remembered, She won't be remembered for her career. She's Buster Douglas. That being said, who are you picking? Amanda Nunez. And, and the funny thing is, a year ago, and even now, I still think that this is one of Amanda's toughest fights. Because Amanda's going to have to take down Holly. I don't think she necessarily wants to strike with her. That's what I thought before. But then you go and bow down Cyborg, and then it's like, oh, shit. I don't think Amanda tries to take it down. No. Now, now I look at Amanda, and she might be playing with fire. Mm-hmm. But, but I think like she's gotten so good at the striking shit. Like Her striking, the way she sets up her strikes, is different. And Holly, Holmes, Holly Holm is still a boxer in an MMA, in an octagon. Like She's still like tentative like she she's a weird fighter she doesn't cut loose Bet the only reason she knocked out best Correa is because Beth started running at her that was it like a wild woman yeah and th- that gets you knocked out you deserve to get knocked out like if holly Holm couldn't knock out best Correa, dude she was out of here but she won whatever i'm just i'm just looking at this scenario and i'm just like dude you have to win this fight and i don't think she's gonna win i think holly Holm wins i, I wouldn't uh, be surprised i wrote my prediction article i I think Holly is probably the only woman in this division, 135, who can even attempt to mimic the Shevchenko game plan. Yeah, you're right. Shevchenko, a lot of people felt won that first one and then lost a split decision in a five-round fight. And Shevchenko's 125, like, naturally. Like, that's her division. Holly is a natural, probably 145 instead of 135. Or so just being bigger, having a longer reach, being able to endure a little bit more. Her conditioning is great. Amanda's sometimes isn't the greatest. She's gotten so much better in conditioning. But if you can take her deep, it seems like the power wanes. If you, if you get out of the second round, you're damn near okay with being stopped. Like you're, you're not going to be stopped if you get out of the second round. The last time, let's see, Amanda had a stoppage past the f- second round was, no, no, she lost that to Alexis Davis. She's never in her career had a stoppage later than the second round. She's had one in the second versus Edian Gomes in 2010. She has not had another stoppage outside of the first round. Get to the second. Take her deep. Yeah, but and see, say, okay. what do we got? And then you try to outpoint her. You try to do what Shevchenko did, but with a little bit more power, a little bit more size. Hope you wear a little bit more on Amanda. Here's my problem with Holly Holm. She's not active enough. She's proven that time and time again. The way that Holly Holm wins fights is she, if you make a mistake. She knows how to capitalize. She knows how to exploit your weaknesses, like she did with Ronda Rousey. But if you stand out there and just kind of do what Shevchenko did and have a, have a, like a little kickboxing match, you're going to beat her. Holly doesn't throw enough. She waits for you to make a mistake. 
So it, there's two things at work here. If Amanda's ultra aggressive and Holly can counter, Holly can win that fight. But if Amanda fights a smart fight, like you could take her two, three rounds deep, forget the power. Holly's not going to outpoint you. She doesn't throw enough. Look at the Durandaby fight. Yep. Like she doesn't throw. She she sits there and stares a lot. She stares and she's a counter striker and counter. And that's why I say she's a boxer in, in, in an octagon. She waits to counter, and you can't do that in MMA. It doesn't really work. That's what Paulie did against Artem and see where that shit got him. Like he stuck the jab and he was kind of sitting around the counter. Yeah. <laughs> you can't do that shit. You got to fight. So I still think Amanda's going to win, but there there's a a path to victory for Holly Holm if Amanda is a little bit too aggressive. And Holly can land a clean counter. She could put Amanda out. That just really depends on how Amanda fights this fight. See, I don't I, think, I, I don't think Holly stops her, but I, I think Holly can try to outpoint her and get, you know, a three rounds to two decision. I don't know. I, it's, it's possible. I just, she doesn't throw enough, man. Yeah, the key just, is uh, make it out the first. You make it out the first, the record shows she's not stopping you. Yeah. I mean, it's very true. It's just... She doesn't throw enough. So I'm going to pick Amanda, but dude, I'm not – I wouldn't be surprised if Holly has – because he has the skills. She just doesn't let him go. Yeah, that's that's always the worst in a fighter is when you don't pull the trigger. And you know yeah. you can. It's the Adrian Broner effect. Um, and then we have main event, John Jones, Tiago Santos. I, I mean, John, John stopping him. I'll give it two rounds just because I'm being polite. Look. This is the perfect storm for John Jones to lose, but it ain't gonna happen. Mm. Like, Tiago's the perfect fighter in the sense that he doesn't wrestle. He can give a shit about going to the ground. He's trying to kill you with one shot. And I don't think he's scared of John Jones. I don't think he even looks at John Jones like, oh, this guy can beat me. I think he be- thinks he can beat John Jones. Yeah. He's just he's just not as good as John Jones. No. But he leaves only- himself open a lot. He takes yeah. a lot of damage in, in fights against average opponents he's been rocked and had to come back like john john's not average no john's but if there was anybody to beat him somebody has to charge at him and catch him you're not going to outpoint john jones it's just not going to happen you can't play chess with him you have to take the chessboard and smash it over his head but the thing about john is he's a competent striker so if you're sloppy he's gonna he's gonna pick that shit apart and that's probably what's gonna happen and yeah i think john just takes him down and Subs him, elbows him to death, something. He's going to finish him. Yeah, yeah, I think John finishes him. Uh, Jimmy Manawa almost finished him. David Branch did finish him within one round. Um, man, Musasi finished him. So I, I think, you know, it's it's there. It's there for him to be finished. I think he's, he's only had like two decision fights in the past five years. Yeah. So, again, another kill or be killed type of situation. I think John finishes him pretty early. So, Canelo versus Kovalev. It uh, picked up some steam. We talked about the possibility of it happening. More reports are coming out. And then, boom, Kovalev signs for a fight in August. And now it's, well, where's Canelo? Like, where well, does this leave Canelo? Well, here's the thing. The, the, the bout is signed, but from what I've gathered without giving away anything, is that there is a possibility for a step aside if a deal can get done with Canelo. So this is a contingency plan that Kovalev just has something in place, but 
Canelo just don't want to see Triple G get paid, guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, he's paid him enough. I can't, I can't knock that. He's paid him enough. Like, he just doesn't want to give him the shine or the opportunity. Like, he doesn't like him. Um, so, you know, he's still negotiating. Like, there's, there's rumors about a Jaime Munguia Canelo fight, which I think is utterly ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, it's to me like if it's not going to be Kovalev, which I never really thought it should be in the first place. I thought it was a joke, um, but it's picking up steam, so maybe it's something. But go fight Callum Smith. He's a 168 pound legit world title holder. He's not Rocky Fielding. Mm-hmm. Uh, he fought, you know, he just fought and just dusted um, Hassan down. Fight him. But th- honestly, dude, go fight Triple G. There's one name we're leaving out. We're going to talk about him. And I'm going to explain why he's not getting this fight. But go fight Triple G. If you're not going to fight Triple G, okay, fine. Fight Callum Smith. But this is getting weird. It's, like, just, just get a deal done. It's guy. now weird that people keep passing up on, on Boo Boo, who we just saw last weekend. Yeah, I mean, Demetrius Sandray went out there and <sighs> he won. That's not good enough. My problem with Boo Boo is this. You win fights, but ain't nobody talking about them after you win. I, you, I don't yeah. know. That was one hell of a performance. But, yeah, but, he was gone in a night. Like, that was the end of the talk. Like, put it like this. I've watched Demetrius Andre fight for a long time. Tell me his most memorable performance. Um, wow. Yeah. No, I, I have to think. He knocked out a dude at the Barclays. <laughs> no word up. This is my, like no, this, this that's is real. Saying. Don't laugh. Oh, Brian Rose. I I could not have told you this man's name that he knocked him out, but he knocked him out at the Barclays. That was a pretty good one. See, but the problem is, is that Demetrius Andre is good enough to stink out a fight. Like he's really good at neutralizing people. Yeah. So if you're Canelo and you're gonna fight a guy that nobody really knows, because let's be honest, nobody really knows who Demetrius Andre is. No. On Mexican Independence Day at that. And it's a dangerous fight because Boo doesn't make it fun. Like, he doesn't come out there and, that, like, he just tried to outslug Zalewski um, this weekend because he could. But for the most part, he's a counterpuncher. He's very poised. He doesn't throw a lot. He's very accurate. It's all the things that Canelo doesn't like in a fight. It's Arisandi Lara all over again. Yeah, a bigger Arisandi Lara. Yeah, like, you don't really want to do that. Like, even if you think you can beat him, because Canelo thinks he can beat him. Canelo wants his title. But there's nothing fun there. Because, look, Canelo's already got his money. Now he just wants to fill the house. Chances are he's fighting in Vegas again for Mexican Independence Day weekend. So you want an opponent. You want something with meaning that people are going to remember. You fight Colin Smith, somebody's probably going to get knocked out. You fight Kovalev, it's going to be exciting because there's a danger factor there. Because Demetrius Andre hasn't really knocked out anybody, there's no danger factor there. So he's just Danny Jacobs. And that doesn't do anything for people. doesn't move the needle. And I think Demetrius is a great fighter. And if Canelo loses Demetrius Andre, he loses everything. And Andre probably Andre might be, oh Jesus, what is his name? The guy would be Eric Morales. Why can't I think of his name? Oh God. Well, I'm gonna, hold on. As far t- in terms of being boring, no, and like no. Technical? Uh, Zaire Rahim, right? Zaire Rahim beat Eric Morales. Yeah. And Eric Morales continued his career as he did. He just had like a loss on his on his under his belt. Then he just went and had like wars with Pacquiao and a bunch of other people. Zaire Rahim, nobody remembers him. No. 
Zaire Rahim beat Eric Morales, and then Eric Morales took that loss and went to a bunch of high-profile fights, two with Manny Pacquiao, and then he fought David Diaz and lost to him, and then, like, his career, he fought Marcos Maidana and a bunch of other people. Yeah, Danny Garcia, people, the last fight. Yeah, last two fights. But oh, last two. It was all about it was all about Eric Morales. If Booboo wins, he's Zaire Rahim, because people are going to be like, so? And they're still going to watch Canelo fight, unless he knocked Canelo out, which he won't. It sucks, man. It, like, really sucks. You're in a tough spot with Andre. He's good enough to beat the best fighters, but he doesn't have a profile. He doesn't knock people out. He's not so good he enough to beat him pretty, and that's what you need. Yeah. If you're going to lose a star, you better make a star while losing it. Like Ruiz. Exactly. Like, like, like Ruiz. Cool. Trade-off. You built a star. The next rematch will be even bigger. Cool beans. By the way he did it, the way he won, you're not going to get that type of win. No, you're not, and then nobody's going to care, and everybody's going to remember it was a boring ass fight, and that's not what you want. Do you? F- it's not what you. Want. I, I don't. I hate the word feed. I almost said feed. Do you then try to make him the person that bridges that gap with Charlo? Because that's my other you- idea. Like, so they have the complete stable of middleweights, right? Yeah, you kind of control that outside of Charlo. So Correct. you're not going to give one of your high-profile stars to a Charlo for a fight. You don't. You don't. There's no upside in that. Making Charlo a star and making them money. Yet, do you then just say, you know what, Boo Boo is is in a realm where we don't want him to be our fighters, but you know what? Why don't we put him in there against Charlo? If he loses, whatever. But if he beats Charlo, now he's making a name. He weakens that brand and comes back with a bigger win. You know what? I like that idea a lot, to be honest with you. And I didn't even think about it because you're right. Look, Demetrius Andre is too dangerous for a Canelo or a Triple G. Mm-hmm. But he does carry a world title. And Jamal Charles, he has nobody to fight. He's stuck. He needs to fight a world champion. He's stuck. Yeah, so he's stuck. So if you're Eddie Hearn in Matchroom, this is the one time where you go, Oh, this fight doesn't need to be on the zone because if he wins, it makes our brand bigger. Yep. So, yeah, absolutely. I think if they're smart, if both sides are smart, you let Demetrius Andre build his profile on Fox against Jamal Charlo. Yeah, I, and I and think if he wins, you got to start crossing that gap a little bit. Not You don't want your first you know, foray across that aisle handshake. You don't need to do it the most high-profile fight. Build the relationship. And this is the perfect, my yep. guy has nothing to do. Oh, my guy has nothing to do because I ain't feeding him the other guys on the roster. Let's make a fight. It's uni- yeah, it's a unification fight at that. You're unifying titles. Yeah. I think that's the move. Go no, forward. Makes, this makes perfect sense. So perfect sense. Of that, that's what I want to see out of, out of that um, moving forward. And that's boxing pretty much for this week until, you know, next week when we start ramping up and start talking about Pacquiao and Thurman. And uh, Thurman's actually, uh, they had him on Fox this week with Pacquiao. They had been tons of profiles on Thurman. They're really ramping up the coverage on him. If for some reason he wins, he's going to feel like a big deal again. Yeah, I just don't think he will. We'll talk about it. But Yeah, we'll talk about that next week. That's, you know, that's to come down the uh, down the road. Last thing we got to talk about now is pro wrestling, though. So, uh we tried this the past couple of weeks, Dre. Let's actually stick to the plan. We are going to start with WWE and end with AEW. So we end on a high note. We're, let's let's try to stick to the game plan. So 
first things first, Paul Heyman exerting a little bit of his control, you know, a little bit at a time on Raw. We get a glimpse of some of how the product may change moving forward. Starting with Corey Graves during the Strowman match, which finally they have a real match, not gimmicky arm wrestling and all this stuff. And I really like the Strowman-Lashley match. Um, no DQ, false count anywhere. It ends with both of them going through the set. They look great as two monsters of men. The only way to you know put them out is to get a double count out because they just couldn't continue. And Graves says, holy shit, on air. Mm-hmm. That's it, right? Like this, this is that's Paul Heyman saying, "I'm here." Boom, take this stamp. Yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was the it was the defining moment of that RAW because you felt it was different between the gimmicky ass spear through the the electric board with, like I've never seen an electric board light up like that, but that's WWE for you. Um, <laughs> but the, the holy shit was the moment where you said, "Oh, this is different." Like that was it, and I'm sure it's like, dude, Graves must have enjoyed saying that. Like he must, <laughs> oh man, it must have been like it's such a weight lifted off his shoulder. But it felt authentic. On top of that, it didn't feel like it felt like, yo, we're not really catering to the kids right now. Yep, we are. We are catering to an adult demographic, and so, it made the spot feel bigger, which is yeah, my, my like, biggest thing. Is like it, breaking of character or what we assume is character made the spot feel real. Yeah, absolutely. So it, I mean, it was imagine. perfectly planned. It made sense. Something finally made sense. It was cohesive. Yeah, this this was a it was a good opener. Um, the, the, I mean, it felt like there was some change. But you know how I feel about change. Show me this shit in about two months. Yeah, exactly. There's been so many changes that they've teased over the years. Third hour, where I was going to be, you know, wild card and all, all this other bullshit that nothing has maintained any sense. So hopefully they stick to it. But uh. I never have my confidence in that. Um, At least it's a good story. Street Profits debuted. This they, is stupid. They were funny, though. They were funny, but why? I don't know. They still have their belts. They're definitely dropping it to the Undisputed Era now. But they well, have their the, belts. See, okay. I'm fine if they showed up just to show up. Fine with that. Yeah, they didn't wrestle or anything. They didn't start beef. But if they're wrestling, dude, we just did this with the War Raiders. The yeah. Viking Raiders, whoever the fuck they are. Who also wrestle. But, but why? Like, I don't know. This you is... just got the titles, dude. Like, what are we doing? But they were great on air. Like, I, I, if it's to bring more eyes to NXT, that. that's cool. I, I don't mind champions coming up, talking shit, cutting backstage promos, and then going back down. So people are like, yo, I got to watch Wednesdays now. Yeah, that, see, that, I'm fine with that, but yeah. I have a feeling they're going to have a wrestling. I don't see, like that, that. Yeah, that's a little too far. But like, I can imagine Undisputed Era doing this in two weeks and just tormenting backstage promos and being funny as hell and then going back. I just feel like everything needs to have a purpose. And yeah. them showing up didn't give me a purpose yet. So I'm a little confused why they're showing up. So if they're showing up just to show up, I think it's dumb unless it's promoting something. And if they're if they're going to be wrestling on the brand, I think that's even dumber because they just won the titles for guys who had to drop the titles to go on Raw. Like, there's no purpose in that. So I'm a little confused. I'll, I'll just kind of wait it out. The yeah, promo was good. Was Promos were good. Just let it lead to drawing more people to the network and to NXT. Um, then we had no Usos versus Revival this week, uh, but we had that last week, so that's 
I think it's still the feud going on um, for the tag team titles. Uh, the only thing I didn't like about the show and the worst angle, which it's kind of getting problematic, and that is Seth Rollins. Him and <laughs> Becky have the worst angles on both brands. They have the worst storylines in the company. Um, they went from pairing them with Corbin and Lacey, who are horrible opponents and don't elevate champions at all. Heels are supposed to elevate the champions. They don't elevate shit. And then you put them this week as a break. I understand you don't need to redo the same thing every week, which is great. It's refreshing. But the next couple for them to beat on is Mike and Maria Canellis. Canellis is pregnant. Okay. She's one, she's pregnant, like, like real deal pregnant, like a shoot pregnant and can't wrestle in the ring. And then you use it as a weird, like cuck angle where the cuck is Becky Lynch. I'm very confused. See, okay. So I didn't hate this because I got to see Mike and Maria on TV. So I didn't hate that part. I see them on TV every week, 205 Live. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, But it was good to see them do something. Right, that made that that was tied to something bigger, and maybe they're going to get more screen time. Maybe they can figure out a way to work this little angle out with Mike Maria. But you're spot on. This Seth Rollins Becky shit has got to stop because it's not fun. <laughs> nope. It's not. It's not interesting, and it's one of those things that can lead to unnecessary disaster. Because let's just say they break up in real life. Okay, they break up. Yeah. How do you work this? You gotta, Who's the they, heel? They still have to continue as an on-screen couple, which makes for then very awkward chemistry. Yeah, like this is so like, and and, and I, look, man, we talked about Seth Rollins' comments on social media. This is being the best, but you're in the shittiest angle on television. So it's like, and you're the champ. He's in the shittiest this, angle in the sport. No, it's so, it's bad. And, then, <laughs> you know, it's, and when we consider ROH is doing some really weird fucking things right now, that's saying something. It's it, it's bad. Like I, this extreme rules match. It's stupid. The Corbin angle. Like they need to remove him from Corbin ASAP. Like Samoa Joe jumping into the Kofi feud. A lot of people don't like it because he lost the belt to Ricochet. I'm already over him losing because their work together. That promo Kofi cut. How good Joe is as a heel. I'm I'm all in. Perfect. I'm down yeah, with yeah. that feud. Great. Yeah. The Kofi yeah. flipping the bird, all that. Let's do it. Rollins needs that feud. He yeah. he needs he needs immediately to get the stench of Corbin off of him and feud with Kevin Owens. Someone legit. Something. Anything. AJ Styles in the club. Some some bring AJ back for him. Something. Yeah. Cause he has oh, the worst feud in the brand. Another thing about Raw. Um so, listen, I'll be honest. I think Ricochet has exceeded a lot of our expectations of what he would do on when he came to the main roster. Our expectations? Mine. Thank you. I've been championing Ricochet for quite some time, and I said he'd be a perfect mid-card champion. Yeah, so he's, he's absolutely exceeded my expectations because of his talent. His talent. We've never denied his talent. No. And but somehow his, they protected him without talking. Until this week. His promo was cringy. With AJ. The backstage one? Or the slapping? Before the slap. The one where the brother, the good brothers came over and were chastising him. And he was like, 
And no, he was interviewing Charlie, I believe, with Charlie first. And he was like, it, he like botched the line and then repeated the same line. It was like really bad. Yeah, it wasn't. He was very. So it's like, but that being said. Then they ended it real quick. I feel like they fed him the line. They were just, he was like, I'm going to let my work in the ring talk for me. And then they're like, that was the end of the interview. Yeah, like, so, so where John Moxley says, Everything doesn't need to be scripted. Some people, you know, need to be able. Ricochet's not that guy. Ricochet's a guy who I feel like you got to write for him. He, like several this takes. Is what works. Just, yeah. yeah, nothing he, lies. He's, he's a, an ex- extraordinary talent, and he's just not good on the mic. That being said, this AJ feud is perfect. Um, turn AJ heel, great. I think we we're gonna have a. I think they're gonna tear the house down. Extreme Rules in oh, a rematch. Yeah. Um. I think it's wise to pair him with AJ and, and, and put heat on AJ, make the club relevant again. I feel like we're seeing remnants of good decision-making on Raw. I just got to see the follow-through because that, maybe Heyman's cleaning up the bullshit to get to the good shit. I agree, right? And Heyman, I think he is doing like you know a little good work. He, he's taking the bullshit that was there and making something out of it. So he's like, fuck it. I have Lashley and I have... Uh, and I have Strowman already, right? Vince was doing these stupid-ass gimmicky things. Instead of gimmicky things, I have to continue the feud, but I'm going to put them, because they're two big-ass bruisers, in a bruising-ass match. Smart. Yeah. Tag division, smart. Outside of the Shane shit, which I'll f- we'll figure out how he writes that off. He's kind of stuck with that for now. But outside of that, I feel like he's cleaning up some of the mess. The problem is, the only thing he's not cleaning up is the guy at the top. Like you're you're cleaning up all the bullshit below, but you're still only as good as the guy at the top, and that shit's well, horrible. That, but you know, he's still got to run shit by Vince. So I think Heyman, you know, same with Bischoff. Uh, it's best to work from the mid card through, like yeah. trying to change shit. You're at the always top, an advocate. Of that. Yeah, I, I feel like a strong show is based on the middle acts. Like you can't rely on the, the finish every sam- every single week. So the mid-card is where you build the new stars. And that's how you convince Vince that these are your next guys, through the mid-card. So fuck it. You can have Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. Like, I'm going to work with these guys and try to build them up in meaningful matches. And maybe Vince's eye is off the ball on the mid-card completely. So maybe Vince is just like, all right, Paul, do what you want. And that's how you build stars. You do it under Vince's nose rather than trying to force feed him who you think should be great. And if anybody's learned that lesson, it's Paul Heyman. Paul Heyman was trying to force feed guys for years. Some took off the CM Punks. Some blew up in his face. Rob Van Dam for smoking weed. <laughs> but it's it's he's learned. I think you learn like all right, you do it. You let your work speak for itself, and you, you don't fuck with what Vince really likes. Vince really likes what he's doing up at the top of the card. So teachers, like I'm I'm fine. Like again, this all has to play out. Maybe the tag team has become relevant again. There's so many things that could happen, but. Let's just sit and wait on it. I feel like they're making the right steps, though, at the very least. No, I agree. Raw was uh, good with some of the some of the storylines. You know, putting AJ and Ricochet to close the show felt good. I'm not sure what the numbers are. I really don't care what the hell the numbers are. I think the ratings were higher. But that correlates with, you know, saving your best match and best storylines to the end. And he did that. Yeah. He made the, the third hour feel relevant. So that was good. Um, SmackDown Live, I like the Kofi Joe angle. Kevin Owens on the mic is genius. Dude. Uh, he completely crushed Ziggler. I want to say this because a lot of people got on me 
about a week ago because they were talking about the best heel being Baron Corbin, which is utterly fucking ridiculous because <clears throat> he gets the wrong heat. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, I, and I said Kevin Owens, when he's given the time, is the best heel. People are like Samoa Joe. Y'all know I love Samoa Joe. <clears throat> but the problem with Joe, it's not even a problem. He's so, like, it's hard to not cheer for Joe because he's, he's really good at what he does, period. Kevin Owens knows how to draw heat, though, like heat, heat. Yeah. And and it's like, and I'm not saying Joe can't do Like, Joe was my favorite. When he was in it, TNA murdering Christopher Daniels and AJ Styles, like, he was he was a heel, but I liked him. Like, there are times when you watch Kevin Owens, like, I like him because I'm an adult. So it's like, I like him because <laughs> it's good work. But I watched Kevin Owens, I, I was like, I see how he's getting heat out of this. Like, I'm watching him draw heat. Like, the when him and Elias did that where I think they were in Portland and they just, or Seattle, they shit it on the city. Yeah. And they got just a tremendous amount of booze. Yo, Kevin Owens can be a heat magnet. Like he is a natural born heel. So I don't know, like what they're doing with him right now is actually perfect because I don't know what the fuck he is. Cause he goes, he rails against Shane McMahon and Drew McIntyre in the beginning. And then he beats the heel at the end, but he's still got those heel tendencies. Very stone coldish. Yeah, back and forth, easy. Like he, he can hold his own against the any other heel that you put in front of him. But when a babyface is there, he's right back on character. So he's very stone coldish right now. And maybe this is maybe this is Heyman reaching across the brand. I don't know, but let's keep this energy up because I like it. And it we'll, makes him. We'll meaningful. see what Bischoff does with it. Yeah, like it. It makes Kevin feel meaningful because this is where he needs to be. He doesn't like anybody. He's not, he's not, he doesn't need to be a chicken shit heel. He doesn't need to be a super over funny baby face. He just doesn't like anybody. And he's a great talker. And fans cheer people who are badasses. He's yeah. a badass. Let him do his thing. Then why is Shane McMahon the number one heel on the brand? Because that's some Vince shit. And we just got to live with it until Kevin proves himself. That's what I'm talking about. You work through the mid card, give Kevin Owens this, these programs that maybe Vince is not paying attention to, and then boom. When it's time, you pull the trigger, and Vince looks at all this body of work, and you go, okay, he's next. You convinced me. Because you proved it. You showed it and proved yeah. it under Vince's nose. But, yeah, Shane sucks. I'm so sick of him. Yo, it's, uh, it's horrible. And he's, he's killing Drew McIntyre, who still looks like a million bucks, but it, it just makes no sense. It's like, oh, you're teaming up with what? <laughs> the guy yeah, who wears a baseball jersey? Yeah, you're Shane's bodyguard, and all you do is lose to Roman Reigns, but you also help Shane beat Roman Reigns. It's like, dog, you've been losing the Roman Reigns since WrestleMania in April. Every like, why time. Why are we still doing it? Hasn't won once. <laughs> the only thing he's done is help Shane win. And, and Shane being the top heel, and if I see this report, this rumor, one more damn time of Shane defeating Kofi to take the belt, I'm going to lose my damn mind. Ugh. 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 <laughs> it's right. It makes Bro. no sense. I'm, I'm over the authority angles. I'm over the McMahons. Let's just have wrestling. We're yeah. good. I, if they have to be GMs, let them be GMs. That's fine. I'm done with the in-ring. I'm done with the stupid angles. Just let's go on and do something else. Um, and understand, you're paying you're paying this man a contract as a talent. Use him in a different way because this shit's not working anymore. Um, to close out the show, on a nice note, AEW Firefest, uh, Fighter Fest was this past weekend. Up and down reviews of the show. Well, really not. People like the main show. The pre-show confused some people. I liked it as a whole. Bleacher Report streaming service worked very well for me. 
We didn't get to stream yeah. it when we were in Vegas because we were there, obviously. But uh, this is my first time using the app. I, it worked really well. The production looked great. And I, I liked I liked the entire event, man. What was your thought just overall on, on what they're doing? And this uh, is being their second event. Yeah, like, look. Huh. It wasn't, like, it wasn't the best show, right? But it wasn't supposed to be. Like, it was... It was a really good show. There wasn't no, there wasn't, it wasn't double or nothing. It wasn't a pay per view. It was fucking free, guys. So, at a, at a gaming festival in Florida. Yeah. So, yeah, this was good. Not every match hit. Um, you know, the Kobe Darby Allen match was Darby bumping like a madman, but I think Darby's sort of showing that he could be a player in this thing. Yeah, Darby, Darby looked great. Cody, yeah. yeah. And it was 20 I mean, minutes long. Yeah, it was a long. It was unnecessarily long. Um, the the six-man tag was great. It wasn't all of their best work, but it was a great match. Uh, and Moxley and Janela fucking killed themselves. What's not to love about that? That was a good um, match. Like, it, they used the stipulation well. Again, sooner or later, Moxley won't have a stipulation, but I, I thought this was perfect way to let him do what he likes to do against a guy who's more than up for the challenge. Yeah, that's thinking about Janela. He don't care. He'll die in that ring. Yep. Um, but yeah, like you know, the pre-show, the last two matches were trash. Their comedy spots are really bad. Like AEW needs to get like the librarian shit. Get out of here. That's terrible. Yeah. Um, but the the three-way dance for the tag that was good. Private party showed their ass. Oh, private was party good. looked great. Like yeah, like that a was star good. building match right there. They stole the show. Yeah. So that, it was a good show, and I, you know, it's okay to be critical about good shows. Like there were some things that I didn't like, which we were about to talk about, but the show overall was good. And if you didn't like it, well, fuck it, whatever. Just stick to WWE. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Again, MJF is a star. Oh Pre- God! Pre-match yes. promo, backstage promo. I I don't even care what he does in the ring, wrestling man. Like the character, he is great. He's going to be their Miz. He's going to be what EC3 was to TNA. He's he's instantly talking about a heat magnet, magnet. This guy is a star anywhere you put him on the lineup card. Dude, listen. The I I got to follow him at WrestleMania weekend, guys. Like I wrote a story on this. I like when I was giving He cut a promo on you. He cut a promo on everybody. <laughs> and to the point where you're like, he's cutting promos is just this asshole that he is. Listen, when I first when I when I first saw him, I was like, ooh, he's he's pretty good. And then, you know, I got offered the opportunity to, to roll with him and spend a few days with him. And like I'm not gonna betray anything that we talked about in confidence, but what I realized is like, there's nobody like him right now. He is he's got a great mind for the business. And He's going to be a champion. And he's like 24, guys. He's fucking good. He's gold. He's money. You can't miss with him. You miss with him, AEW should fail and sink. You, you can't miss with that guy. Unbelievable. Unbelievable on the mic. In a day and age where everybody's about work rate, we talk about five-star matches, people forget how good and important a great heel is. He's got that. Yeah. Uh, man, just incredible so he's another guy who really stood out to me uh every time they do something though he sticks out 
So that's yeah. that's no different than usual. But the one thing that we'll end the show on that that's really was the takeaway from the entire event was the chair shot Cody Rhodes took from I want to still call him Ty Dillinger, but what is his name now? <laughs> uh, Shane. Sean Spears. Sean, Sean Spears. Spears. Thank you. So Sean Spears, the perfect ten. Uh, came in at the end, understanding he wants to start a program with Cody. All is well and fine. I think that'll work out pretty good. He picks up a chair, hits Cody. Cody doesn't even attempt to put his hands up. The The chair to the head, okay, I get. Like, that looked bad, and it felt eerie. Watching the pool of blood under Cody's head as he laid on the mat was when it really got scary. Yeah, so, all right. So I caught a lot of hell about this because I tweeted, like a lot of you may have seen, I was like, unprotected chair shots in 2019, yikes. And people were like, you're a pussy, you're soft, blah, blah, blah. The fuck is wrong with you people? Here's the issue. They thought the chair was gimmick. All right, cool, whatever. But it, it happened and Cody got his head busted open. There was that chair shot absolutely necessary to pr- pursue the angle in light of the studies for CTE? Therein lies my problem. Look, Mick Foley took like 15 unprotected chair shots from The Rock in that I Quit match. And when I watched it back then, I was like, yeah. When I got older, I was like, whoa, you shouldn't do that. Like, you should put your hands up. Like, he took so many unprotected chair shots. And there was a thing in the 90s, just like Christian Okoye and Steve Atwater banging heads when the Chiefs played the Broncos years ago. And people were elated about that hit. It was a head-to-head collision. Yep. You can't do that shit now because the studies show it rattles the brain. It's brain. Like people are like, well, they, they do death matches. Duh, they're, they're not getting hit unprotected in the head where your brain is. And Cody taking a chair shot to the head, it, it, it brings back those memories. And, you know, people talk about Chris Benoit, but I wasn't even really thinking about Chris Benoit. I was thinking about CTE. Yeah. I was thinking about. Does this really progress the story? Do we need to do this? That's the no key. It can. added nothing to the story. He could have hit him in the back with the no. chair, and it would have been the same effect. Like, and then on top of that, to, to to bring this all full circle, your owner is a part owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, a football guy. So to have a CTE type angle, and then look. I get it because JR and Excalibur and the new guy who made Marvez look like trash, keep him, get rid of Alex Marvez in commentary. But they had to keep this thing discussing this in the booth and it became really uncomfortable. And, and, I, and like people were all through my timeline because I, apparently I made Twitter stories or whatever the fuck. So throughout <laughs> the night, I was just, I had like a thousand re, like retweets and like, I was, it was ridiculous. And people were just like, ah, you don't like wrestling. You like the WWE. No, guys, you're fucking stupid. I don't like unprotected chair shots to the head. If he got his hands up, all right, maybe. But just knowing what we know today, this ill-advised angle didn't need to happen. Completely unnecessary. Just hit and him. And people like back. it got people talking. Yeah, just whatever, man. Just I don't want to see guys get hurt. Cody knew he was getting into. CTE doesn't. All right, your brain doesn't. If your brain rattles in your head too many times, it's bad for you. That's it. That didn't need to happen. Yeah, it was, oh, it was just ugly, man. Ugly for no reason. The blood, the every, like the storyline would advance just the same with a, a chair shot to the gut and a finisher on the chair. Yeah, right? Like it, it would have been just fine. 
And if it was a gimmick chair and it didn't go off, whatever. But it still was a shot to the head that was unprotected. That's it. That's it. It's taking a necessary risk. It's like there are two, there's a couple things that won't happen today. Owen Hart died on a harness for a thing that did absolutely nothing to add to his feud with the Godfather. People would forget he was wrestling the Godfather that night for the Intercontinental title when Owen Hart died. It was unnecessary. And now nobody descends from the top of the arena anymore because of what happened. Yep. We know wrestlers get CTE. Was that chair shot really going to change that much with their feud to the head or if it was to the back, like you said? No. So there it is, guys. Like, look, I like the Attitude Era too, but I don't need that shit coming back. Yeah, there's I don't plenty need of stuff on the network. And, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. like, we can have adult storylines. I don't need chair shots to the head. I just don't. I just don't. And those that you do, you're fucking savage. And it's okay. I understand people want grit. They want difference. They want to see something, you know, that's anti-WWE. Chair shots to the head, isn't it? I also don't need nah, man. pal drivers again, per se. Like, I'm good. I'm good with there being lines still. You don't have to be cupcake and PG. You can still have your little Moxley death matches versus Janela and all that. Like, that's cool. You just got to be smart. And that wasn't smart. So, you know, got to criticize them too when they mess up. But they're learning. And this is a learning curve. And that's the crazy thing. There were so many people on my time. I was like, oh, you're a WWE advocate. I was like, y'all don't know me, do you? (laughs) You really don't. (laughs) This is the first time y'all met me. Yeah, it's like, but I'm going to be highly critical of both co- companies because I want them to do better. I don't want to see WWE fail. Look, look, guys, I don't watch WWE because I hate it. I love, I love pro wrestling, and I want them to succeed. So in order, for, I, I'm going to stick with the bad times. When the good times come around, I'm always going to be here. That's who I am. I roll with, like, I'm a White Sox fan. We lose and we suck. I don't jump shit. This is where I stay, and I watch every season. I play with them in the show every game. And then when we have a great team, it'll feel so much better when I rock with them. Yep. So with the WWE, like I'm, I'm not anti WWE. Like I just hate what they're doing. And when AEW does something that I don't like, I'm gonna say it. Does it make me hate AEW? No, I still think they, they have a bright future ahead of them. I still look at them to push the WWE where they haven't been in 20 years, 25 years. But come on, guys, we can be critical. Everything they do isn't golden. Exactly. But uh, outside of that, it was a decent show for a show that was. Not a throwaway show, but just, you know, a little showcase to keep people interested. I thought it did really well. It seemed to do really good numbers online as far as interaction and talking and social media numbers and uh, trending number one worldwide. So, good for them. I like it. Can't wait to see the show in Chicago. Uh, there's actually one, what, in two weeks? Uh, where we get Dustin yeah. and Cody tagging. So, that'll be fun. And that'll yeah, be fight cool. For- fight for the Fallen, you said? Yep. So I'm looking forward to it, man. So that that was good. Um, that's our show for today. So we want to thank you guys for tuning in with us. We appreciate it. A lot of NBA talk to start out, but Andres just can't let can't let me live, man. Can never let me live. Uh, we want to <laughs> we want to appreciate you guys. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Make sure you guys follow us on social media at the Corner LSN. All platforms. Me at Kel Dansby. Him at Andreas Hale on our Patreon, where we're making changes. Great interaction this week with everyone on there. A lot of you guys got your shirts and your merch. I appreciate you guys for rocking it and sending dope messages. Uh, Like we put on Twitter, we're going to change up how we do Patreon, pump it with a lot more content so you guys will get some 
of our predictions again and just some more in-depth talk about UFC this week, which uh, I'll corner Dre and we'll take some time out to record probably during weigh-ins on Friday and toss that up for you. Uh, we'll have a video up there on Saturday of just some pre-fight just shenanigans with us chilling probably at Shake Shack before the fight. Uh, so I'll post that up on Patreon too during UFC 239 and you guys get original content like that every week and uh next week we'll be recording some of those specialty shows where we list uh you know best fighters pound for pound rankings uh best SummerSlam matches is something we have coming up you know five guys we want to see go to AEW those type of topics that'll be nice little mini episodes just for you guys on Patreon so uh thank you guys for listening this week big things to come major announcements still coming up in the future so keep your eyes and ears open for that till next week we're out peace